episode 24 of Destroy Before Listening, the 90s hardcore mixtape side A with Pete versus Pete. This episode is a slightly different one in that it's half conversation and half music. The focus being on the type of 90s US hardcore that we both loved so much. It was a nice way for us both to find a common bond and also talk about the bands he did vocals in like Narcosis, Hard to Swallow, Red Right Hand, Underclass and Burst of Silence amongst others. Some big names weren't included but it goes without saying that no 45 minutes would be complete if it didn't include the essentials like Los Crudos, Drop Dead or Born Against. There will be a follow-on episode dedicated to 90s Euro Hardcore which is equally as important but less talked about nowadays. You can most likely find any of these bands on Discogs or YouTube or perhaps via Bandcamp in some cases. All of the original physical releases are well worth picking up if you find anything of interest. There are tracks here by Men's Recovery Project, Hail Mary, Citizen's Arrest, Man is the Bastard, Rorschach, As Factor 4, Inhumanity, Heroin, Mohinder, UOA, Klickatat Ikatawi, and The Swing Kids. Side A continues over in Destroy Before Listening episode 24.5 with Lifetime, John Henry West, Fuel, Tortures to Rome, Current, Uranus, His Hero is Gone, Talk is Poison, Creeps on Candy, and No Means No. You can follow on Instagram at Destroy Before Listening. Thanks. Yeah, so the, to kick off the 90s mixtape, Side A is more like the, uh, well, it's all American bands. And uh, first group I chose was the Men's Recovery Project and the track Normal Man, which I don't know, my, my personal experience with it was, uh, you know, there was a group of friends that when we were doing bands, we, like, we all had the seven inch because I guess Born Against Records were I don't know, we're harder to come by even. So like there was certain stuff that come floating along and uh, you pick it out. And then this was one of them. It was just a gravity record and the track Normal Man was, uh, you know, like a standout of, yeah. I guess, the whole band's career really. I mean, personally. So yeah, what was your kind of thoughts on it? Kind of weird for me because Born Against was such a massive uh, kick in the pants. And yeah, early, early 90s it was. And so it was like everything that when they did all their stuff and you just couldn't top it. And so, you know, they split up and he starts doing Men's Recovery Projects and you're thinking, okay, what's he going to do now? You're expecting kind of more of the same full-on Sam McFeeters in your face, hardcore. And 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 the first seven-inch I got was Makes a Baby. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> Fucking okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it absolutely was not. It was like the demented love child of God knows what the residents were in there somewhere, especially on the track manhole. And so yeah. it was only later on as I was listening more and more to again, I missed out on a lot of the seven inch. I had a friend that got some of the seven inches. It was only when I got the um golden triumph of naked hostility CD that yeah. I realized how much more hardcore stuff they'd done. Because uh, yeah. I I don't even really heard the electronic stuff, which I absolutely loved. Because I've always liked that kind of odd, quirky stuff. Uh, yeah. And Normal Man was just like, oh my god, what the hell is this? Like yeah. pure, pure. I mean, it's like the closest to Born Against. I think he did, apart from Wrangler Brutes, where it's just like comes in at the drums and then the, this pulsing bass, yeah, yeah, loads of feedback, and then him saying, "Wait a goddamn minute." <laughs> and it's just like you know, this is this is the this is the ball, and then it just kicks off, and it's it's dead. They're good, and then it gets into the middle, uh, and they break down into this little interview technique. <laughs> you know, uh, are you interested in personal hygiene? Yes, I am. <laughs> and then the next line is the uh, I love it. It's just, uh, do you like flying in boats and aeroplanes? <laughs> yes, I do. And it's just, oh my god, it's just you can't help but it's such a happy, bizarre, hardcore punk song. Yeah, absolutely loved it, yeah. and I, I really liked that they could do that switch from these weird electronica things like manhole or they found my naked body by the river. It's just these really creepy uber electronic. Must be influenced by the residents, I guess. 
yeah. but you know, I'm just a wild guess and to this full-on yeah. hardcore rage of of normal man, yeah, which is great. I mean, the drumming and it's fantastic. It's just it, it feels like it's not a steady beat, but it's it's holding everything together. Yeah, you know. So I absolutely, I just it just blew me away. It still blows me away to this day. Driving to work in the car with that on, just singing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> God knows what people in Sweden think because I'm driving down the motorway to work. <laughs> That's right, I'm a normal man. Uh, just, uh, just fantastic stuff. Really, really great stuff. What a great start to a tape. Well, that's the kind of thing when you get, if you got trapped in a uh, traffic jam or something, you know, getting out of your car, fucking getting on top of the uh, roof or something <laughs> yeah. and getting naked yeah. and screaming it. <laughs> <laughs> It is. You always. In, I don't know if you have it in in, in, in uh, Sweden. We have they drive around with the car windows down. And there's all this like horrible techno rhythmic doom 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 doom. Yeah, yeah. Really, really loud. You know. I, I just want if someone drove past with normal man blasting at the car, it'd be nothing but respect. <laughs> but but I mean that'd probably just be me, and then it's nothing but embarrassment. But I mean, you know what I mean. It's yeah. that you never hear the good the good songs belting out of cars, and that would mm. be a great song to belt out yeah. of a car. which would be Hail Mary, and I chose the track uh, Crashing Down, which is from the the LP that they did. They only did one LP in, like, a handful of seven inches. And, yeah. Uh, I just realised it's, a, like, a continuation of Born Against, really, though this was the nearest to kind of get to... I guess I never... To be honest, this was a new... I've not heard this track before. Uh, the one seven-inch I've got is the... Uh... My will to die is dead. Yeah, yeah, that's I think. One, yeah. And that's I think that's a Burmese form, isn't it? It's got all the same, all the same graphics and the all the artworks done by uh, Neil Burke. Yeah, oh, they did a, they, yeah, they did a prank records. Yeah, yeah. Seven inch as well. Yeah, yeah. With the like oh, um, the teeth on the cover. That's yeah. <laughs> so I never heard that much. That was the only seven inch I picked up. But I think it was that thing of you, you just. Uh, Probably the one in 12 and someone's got their collection and you just end up picking something out because it looks or it's on vermiform or it didn't have the same urgency as musically it's nice the vocally it's a bit of a letdown for me it's a bit just doesn't hit home i mean not everything can musically just absolutely great stuff i think that's kind of what they got 
like uh, leveled at them was they weren't such a consistent band or consistent live band yeah. or whatever. Because they had the yeah, like, no. not live seven inch, which was basically because like people were saying, well, not a very good live band. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, I, don't, I, don't know. I know very, very little about them. Like I said, that seven inch, and obviously it didn't make that much of an impact because I never picked anything else up by them. Yeah. Which I think, you know, says quite a lot for that time because you picked up one thing, you picked up quite a few things by the same band. And it's okay, but I mean, it's not something I've gone back to. I've listened to it now. No, I'm going to talk about here. It was just the, the, the album was like stronger. Okay. And much of the, like, the output. It was strange. It's, you know, when bands just do like a one off, like really yeah. good release of some kind, and then like that's it. Then it yeah, yeah. kind of gets gets us to that level again. But yeah. Yeah. But I think there's an awful lot of like if because you're associated with Vermiform or whatever label, people are expecting you to to do like a certain quality or a certain sound. And if you yeah. deviate from that, people are just gonna slate it. And it's I mean it's weird listening to this because it's the first time I've heard this track and it, it is like 20 years after the fact as well. So you know it's maybe it fasten a bit more if it was something I'd heard back then. track I suppose because that's all about the vocals for you isn't it and that's uh, Citizen's Arrest <laughs> God like genius God like yeah. genius okay. uh, absolutely punishing stuff love it yeah. always have done always will do uh, huge 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 influence on early ish youngish me um, I mean it's, we took my first we had a couple of bands around and we were doing covers we started doing a hardcore band and we called it Burst of Silence after the yeah. Citizen Arrest song where we did like yeah. covers of Born Against SFA, Yuppie Side. I mean, even Verbal Assault and Swizz and stuff. Um, or Citizen's Arrest we did I Won't Allow and Death Threat and then a couple of tracks off the LP, Utopia and Through the Mist. And this LP was just phenomenal. Um, this is Colossus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well. absolutely. Because um, the, like, that's the main album that they did, really, wasn't it? The, the other stuff was kind of like yeah. seven-inch compilation kind of things. Yeah, I mean, it was that. They, they, I mean, the, the first tracks I had were the two tracks on the um, um, Look at the Children Now comp. That was I Won't Allow and Death Threat. And, and then you, they did the seven-inch. Uh, and then they did that weird live flexi, which sounded dreadful. Yeah. It was that, like the eight-inch Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah which I've still got, um, and it doesn't sound any better, but it got the idea of them playing live. Um, and then I think people were expecting them to do an LP that sounded much like the um, Light in the Darkness 7-inch, 
And so when it came out, and it's this much more thrash influenced, much cleaner sounding, I guess, much yeah. bigger sounding. Uh, and people, I remember people being a bit iffy about it, like saying, yeah, it's not their best stuff. But you listen to it, and I think Daryl's vocals are just unbelievable, just fantastic. I think it would be more of a like a classic if the cover looked better. Because <laughs> I never really, I don't really like the you cover much. No. Really? No. Ne- so that's never bothered me. I didn't like. Uh, I think I re- wrote directly to Freddie at Wardance to get my, to get mine. This really naive little kid from Liverpool. Hello, Mister. Can I get your LP, please? <laughs> kind of thing. And I wrote to and told him that we did the band and. Yeah, and you wrote this really nice little letter back on the back of it. I got a bunch of flyers from ABC Norio and stuff. Uh, and it was just, it was really, uh, again, one of those just really nice things of you realise there's just young people here, young people there doing about the same thing, albeit we're copying their thing. Um, and it was just, it was just really cool getting it back. And so I always, I always like the artwork. I've never had a problem with it. I like the pictures on the picture of the four of them on the back. And Daryl looks like he's just come out of a sauna and he's not very happy about it either. Uh, well, I guess, I guess that's sometimes what it is. Maybe uh, mm-hmm. someone likes the music and doesn't like the cover or someone likes the cover and doesn't like the music. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Win some, lose some. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was always that big, the big fold-out poster as well, which just got destroyed years ago, which I regret yeah. a bit. Um, but I, I mean, I absolutely I thought the LP was uh, absolutely blind. I still do listen to it this afternoon, yeah. and it just blows. It like his, I mean, on, uh, for me, it's through the mist. It's just <laughs> it sounds like a maniac. Sounds like a monster waking up at the beginning. Yeah. tape of this era it's got to be a man is the bastard track really hasn't it yeah it's really got has. to be really you've got to stick you know everyone sticks a man is the bastard track on it's like the the tapes are only you know you want to cram as much stuff on there so like you can't yeah. put my lock on which is like yeah uh, you know <laughs> no, no, my no, favorite no. my favorite all yeah the time. yeah 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 we've got snake apartment anyway which is the uh, <laughs> From the crossed out split seven inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's just a phenomenal beast, that seven inch. It's just relentless. Like you say, it's Man is the Bastard, one of those bands. It's, it, it could be so easy to just fill an A side of a tape with their stuff. <laughs> and then yeah. you just put some random compilation on the B side. Uh, yeah. 
to picking Snake Apartments, uh, an absolutely great track. Again, someone with fantastic, always vocals that I thought were just oh, utterly demonic. His, his deep vocals are just ridiculous. Oh, it doesn't sound like anything else. All so the, the bass, the no. musicianship, everything. It's like, it's Eric Wood, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, absolute. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the guy was an absolute beast of a bass player, beast of a vocalist. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely stunning stuff. I mean, it really, you couldn't have any other band going up against the crossed outside is something else as well. You know what I mean? That's what I was listening to today as well. I've got a, I've got a bootleg 10 inch. Yeah. Uh, Fuck grindcore, it's called, which is like the discography, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like fucking flies past, and it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, just ridiculous. <laughs> I missed. I missed out getting the cross that seven inch, and I got. I've got the split with um, Man is the Bastard. Yeah. Uh, and then I picked up the L, the, the crossed out comp LP on Slapperham. Well, that's what this is a bootleg of. <laughs> This is a right, bootleg okay, of, okay. it's like a, a, a collection is like, I don't know, 35 tracks on it. So it's pretty much yeah. got it covered. Um, yeah, yeah. Before the, like the official version came out, I guess. But, you know. Yeah. You get what you can where you can. And it was just one of those things, Absolutely. like you say, you, you, like, you, you heard the name and you're like, oh, fuck it. You, there's no other opportunities to get stuff at mm -hmm. that point. So that's what I went for. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of which, Rorschach, can't go wrong with Rorschach either. Again, another killer split. Yep. It's from the Neanderthal split, right? Yep, that's the one, yeah. Uh, septic I mean, death cover on it as well. That's right, yeah, man. Oh, that's such a good... I mean, again, picking which one of those, the brain angle is, is, is fab. I always like how like the riff comes in, it's really frantic. And then it's got the cleanest bait, like yeah. <laughs> little it's... twiddly bass bit. Yeah. It's said like foggy, isn't it? Really, it's... it is. It's it's such a weird. It, it, I think when I was listening to it uh, a couple of days back, and I just I never realised how puny the bass <laughs> the bass sounded for want of a better <laughs> phrase. Because it's such an <laughs> aggro song, you know, it's just full on. Yeah. And then this little bass break near the beginning, and it's just oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it kind of shows how technical they were wanting to yeah. be, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean. Because they're all like metal guys, really, aren't they? That was like a... Um, no, absolutely. Metal, they never, for me, they never sounded like crusty. It, I mean, especially no. like the difference between Remains to Date and Protestant. You know, and it's like, it's, it's where like Protestant sounds, it sounds so much stranger. I really like the sound yeah. on Remains to Date. I think Remains to Date's an absolutely killer LP. And he had such, he had such a weird way of phrasing his lyrics. Yeah, it was always like he was trying to, not like he was struggling to keep up with the music, but just just trying to fit in as much oh, fucking anger as possible. Yeah, I remember reading some. Uh, oh, it was maybe a catalog review or something, and they yeah. had, like personally said that the bands they were only interested in was like Detroit and Voivod and Blast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, you know. It's just that's if you mix that together, you kind of got that's what you've got, really. Um, yeah, but it seemed to be like I mean, all of these bands we're talking about just now at the beginning of this were doing something that for me was really quite different. It wasn't just about straightforward hardcore riffs. I mean, you listen to some of the riffs on your main today, and it's just mindless, just like how the hell, how the hell do you do that? How do you yeah. write that? How do you go into a studio and say, right, or into a practice room, sorry, and say, right, I've got an idea for a song, it's, it's like two seconds. And then you build five people, build a song around that, and it's just like the time changes are just. I'm 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 not a musician by any. I'm you know I'm I'm not a vocalist. It's just but some of it you listen to and you just think that makes no sense. How did they come up with that? Much like Voiva, much like Voiva. Yeah. You know, just these crazy time signatures and changes and rhythms, and then the vocalist has got to wrap his lyrics around what they've given him. It's it's amazing. Really yeah. good choice. Really good. Thank <laughs> you. 
Charles Maggio does some vocals on an As Factor 4 track on the... Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I think it's... I can't oh. remember which track. But this is the next track, which is... Well, it's the, the fucking... I don't know. Just It just rips, really, isn't it? This, this album. It really is. This, again, with As Factor 4, like when we had the first two seven inches and it was a bit more... A bit more melodic, I guess. Uh, still with that screechy urgency and like a really nice, I really like his voices. It's kind of screaming, but holding melody still. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, oh, there's um, still melodic. It's still melodic. Oh, it's absolutely. Like really, really yeah. fast, but really melodic as well. And, and I, you know, I think that was a big thing then. And then we got. Oh, is the drummer? The up. drummer was the singer, wasn't he? Really? I think I so. Yeah. That. Yeah, because wow. I remember reading something about him turning like you know grey when he was like, <laughs> wow, just, just playing live, he'd just be totally fucked up. I'm not surprised. Singing and drumming. Albert, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. Um, great LP, great first LP. I know again, I know people who like the Seven Inches weren't too fond of it. Seemed to be like a kind of theme back then, uh, like like the Seven Inches for what they were, and then heard the LP and thought it was too muddled. Which I yeah. never understood because for me it was a natural progression from what we were doing on seven inches. Yeah. Uh, just a, a stunning. I mean, even the second. I, I found the second uh, second LP sports for like uh, five quid here in Sweden. Yeah. And I, I'd never see. I've never even seen it before. Well, yes, please. Thank with, you. With the with the it's like a Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what drew me to it. You know. Oh, yeah. maybe this is a Huey Lewis album. Oh, fuck it. That's, sort of that's defaced a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, got Inhumanity after that. What can you say? Absolute beast of a band. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, good choice. First LP is, I think the production on it is just unbelievable. Because, I mean, the beginning of the song is it, it's, it's not a cello. It is a guitar, isn't it? I don't know. It's such a weird sound, and it comes in. This, you know, oh, and then, the start of this, it's like a yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a cheap keyboard going through like a guitar <laughs> amp or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, like I say, I have no idea what stuff generates what sounds. So, but yeah. it starts off like that, and it's just this lovely kind of almost lull before the storm. Yeah, and, and then it, it sounds like a black metal song or something, doesn't it? Oh. Bickle, Bickle's vocal, again, a vocalist that was massively influential. Just yeah. his screams and his, again, his phrasing. Um, utterly unbelievable. Colossal. But I mean, I, I love the stuff that I wish, I wish I had picked up the Nutty Antichrist when it was knocking around. I managed to pick up the compilation CD, but they'd lost all the original masters from Nutty Antichrist. So there's like, the songs sound ever so slightly different or different recordings. Sorry, this is like a... Uh... When I first would have sort of encountered, well, I saw Underclass, but then it was yeah. number one son. Yeah, because we we played up in uh, Newcastle. Yeah. With, uh, well, we were the we were the, the first, yeah. our first group was the support. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All in the forest, laying waste while like, every. Oh, um, it wasn't. It was before that. It was like we did this it? other. Yeah, we did this other band that was like it was. Called, I think Robert called it like Arthur Fonzarelli. Arthur Fonzarelli. I've just, yeah. Joe, I've just got a picture of the flyer in my head with Bukowski on. <laughs> and then it's number one son in Humanity Palaka, number one son, and then Arthur Fonzarelli. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And I think we played with them in Manchester the night before, and we were a bit ropey. And then yeah. we played much better when we played up in Newcastle. But they were just like watching him doing his little weird crab dance and screaming his little lungs out. Was well, like doing incredible. doing his jumps, he looked like one of the monkeys. Yeah, his, his mad haircut. Yeah. Uh, or just, I mean, absolute lovely, lovely fellas as well. But it was just that was a really top night. That was a really good gig, and just to see inhumanity. Yeah. Because you've been listening to them for so long, but I mean, that first LP, like the whole murder mystery. Yeah. Uh, was so bizarre. And like song titles, like uh, we're sick of music and we hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, Fantastic choice. Welcome to the Carolinas. We believe you've chosen one of the greatest places on earth to call home.
next block, obvious choice, it would be heroin and that's uh, moving parts, which is a kind of a faster, shorter, I, I think it sets the tone a bit sort of stronger for bands. Well, like yeah. the next band as well, but it's, uh, and a lot of bands. Well, it's basically it's the starting point for 90s hardcore in a lot of ways. I think uh, so, yeah. That and maybe a handful of bands, but they're a key element of the sort of, well, the Californian, Southern Californian, like San Diego yeah. stuff, Gravity yeah, Records. Basically that whole Gravity San Diego sound. Yeah. Like uh, just really took off. I mean, again, for me, it was the vocals. Uh, I mean, obviously the music's really insanely good, but the urgency in the vocals and like the, I love a good scream. I love someone who just, it makes you, makes your hair stand up on your arms, you know, and like heroin did that. Uh, Both of the seven inches were great. And then you got the LP and again, it was just like another little step up, just fantastic stuff. And it was, that was like quite a huge influence. Like again, as factor four, heroin were influences on what we were going to do with underclass. We wanted something. We had nowhere near the same musical ability. Yeah. But we wanted, we knew we wanted something that, that was that, not just to play a hardcore thing, but to be screaming about just stuff and have that passion and that aggression, but still have some melody in there as well, because I think that was a key thing. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't just about, no, 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 war is bad, no, 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 no. It was something different, something urgent, and it was something just really aggressive without being macho bullshit. Well, what you were doing was something in this country that where we identified with because there wasn't really too many bands doing nothing, doing the American or that sort of style of American hardcore. I think there's still quite a lot of fallout from the fallout, but there was a lot of either. It seemed to fall into, you know, kind of the whole crusty, like normal punk kind of sound. Yeah. And then to the, the more like kind of straight edge sound and stuff, I guess, or metal. Mm-hmm. Sound and we kind of fell. We were just five idiots that just happened to meet each other, you know. Uh, we were practicing. A, I shared a house with Will and, and Mousy. Um, mm-hmm. we were practicing in the bedroom up there, right? And when we wrote the first underclass demo, we had t shirts yeah. over the drums and all the amps turned off, you know. And it was just we're just trying to come up with kind of ideas of how we were going to sound. Uh, and so like the whole screaming thing, we were all at, already listening to stuff like heroin already influenced by Born Against for many, you know, a few years now and Citizen yeah. Rest and all that. And when we did our first rehearsal, I was standing over the mic and I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Because we hadn't really discussed. And they just started playing. And they said, we said, well, just, just scream, scream your head off and see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. And it was, it was that unbridled, just like letting everything out, you know? And I think these bands, Heroin have always been a massive... One of the many bands I can still listen to, and it it's like I'm 24, 25 again. Well, apparently the um, stuff's getting reissued on Southern Lord. Really? Yeah. Uh, Tim Green's like remixed it all. There's wow. some like there's a bunch of stuff like unmixed or stuff that was recorded but never, you know, yeah, never released or never dealt with in a kind of a in any I, way. I have- I have really mixed feelings about the amount of stuff that's getting remixed, re-released and repackaged. Uh, yeah. It's kind of weird for me because it, for me it speaks of a time and now it just seems like it's just for collective value. It kind of misses yeah. the translation. Yeah. I kind of like maybe the, the shitty sound of stuff as well. Yeah, like, absolutely, because that's what it was. That's, there was no... They just recorded. They were just Everyone was doing it by themselves, for themselves. All the packaging, all, all all the touring, all the all the records, everything was someone sitting gluing it all together. And like, yeah. I'm sure they never thought in San Diego that you know there'd be a massive outcry for it. And I mean, I'm, I don't even know how many uh, copies of the LP they did. Yeah, like uh, related to the heroin thing, uh, end of the line. That yeah. album is getting reissued and remixed as well yeah. on three one G. Putting that one out, I think. I mean, I mean, sure, it's great that people want to go for it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's maybe just because you know I've, I've moved on, or we've moved on, or you yeah. know, those of us who were around then 
picked it up then. And I mean, it is you can't begin to compare sort of how stuff is now and how stuff gets released now to back then. Yeah, I was thinking about this. When does it? When do things? These things become like? When does something become like a classic hardcore? Or yeah, who is it? Who is it that decides that it's a classic hardcore album? How many years does it take, or how does it take for thirty years before? I mean, were people ten years ago thinking about? You know, because the eighties has always been like you know eighties hardcore. Everyone wants to be eighties hardcore, and it's minus threatened. All that, but no one yeah, can yeah. kind of redo that, and like, there's just no one really doing anything like this anymore. I don't think out of these bands that I picked and I was listening to, I was like, well, there's there's not really anything. There's nothing. There's not really well, a comparison these if, days. I don't know if there. Again, it, it's it's so weird. It's you can't you can't compare. I don't think because you've got now you've got it's so easy to to release something and then suddenly put up on every social media that this is out. I mean, before it was, you bought seven inch and you got like a little slip of paper inside. There's a little coming out as well. Yeah. You know, there's like, it's much more of a hullabaloo to kind of get hold of the stuff. Either that or it was a, a weekend that you had someone who had a distro that you just rifled through and you just picked out stuff that you kind of looked nice or you'd seen somewhere on the thanks list. And I, yeah. I, I kind of, I like that kind of charm of it all. And I don't mean to get old man nostalgic about stuff. Uh, but it just spoke because uh, it, it spoke to me so much back then, and that's why it stayed with me. Now, I mean, your know, heroin as a band, I'm not going to pick up the stuff again if it gets re-released because I don't need to. I've got the two seven inches and I've got the LP. I don't need yeah. more stuff by heroin, but I still love those records that I've got. That's why I still got them. I, I, I know it mixed feelings about that as well. Yeah, 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 definitely because. This, it was the certain labels, and I mean, that's always been the way, but like Gravity was just the, uh, yeah. like, you know, anything, everything, whatever you get, you know, it didn't matter. Absolutely. It was just, uh, you, yeah. you, and it all looked different and it all sound different, pretty much, but it all had Absolutely. like, there was there was an aesthetic, definitely. Yeah, and uh, you got to love it. I mean, that cut and paste aesthetic was, was great, and it was, such a small group of individuals doing it that I mean to us in in to me in Liverpool or to us as underclass and it just seemed kind of exotic that this from uh, San Diego why these must be millionaires just you know yeah. it just seemed so so alien to us in a little a little flat in Liverpool and yeah. I've I've got a, a a gravity related story actually it's it's just oh, a, well. a small where yeah I remember this was about probably ninety eight or something like that. 98, 99, I sent uh, yeah. uh, Gravity like a $20 bill and just yeah. was like, send send whatever, you know, send some records. And then I was waiting. Send supplies, like, yeah. yeah. I was waiting months and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know what's happened with that. And then eventually this package turned up with about like, uh, I don't know, it's about 10, 15, 7 inches in it. Holy you know, shit. There was like the Born Against UOA split, like the, what? I'm trying to remember, there was a bunch of like seven inches. It was yeah. about four or five different titles and uh, just like, oh, sorry, it's late kind of thing. And I got this uh, package and I was just like, so I was over the moon, you know, it was just like, because I distro the stuff, you know, it helped that it was the way it kind of worked, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the way it worked. <laughs> Imagine, imagine doing that now. The stuff I buy today, I kind of gravitate more to, I don't know, like the DIY thing still, maybe not hardcore punk, but I still love the DIY aesthetic. I love people who put out music just to put out music. Uh, and, you know, you, you order something from someone and they'll throw in like a free LP or a free, and I just, I've never undervalued that gesture. I think it's yeah. a lovely, even just a little note saying, thanks for buying this. And especially now, when everything is much more accessible and much easier to get. Uh, it's just, it means it means the world still to like a 52-year-old guy gets like a small kid, you know, opening whatever record he's ordered and the people yeah. right back and they're just super nice and even because it doesn't take two minutes to be to be nice. Yeah. So and I think that, that's like a kickback to all the DIY hardcore stuff of the, the early to late 90s. Yeah. But it, it was always very appreciated. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like that, and I think that loses it. It loses that when you're getting 
you know, new records get, getting released and then go straight up on Discogs for like $500 or whatever the fuck you want to pay. And I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. Don't get that at all. I don't want to get that at all. I'm just going to move on to Mohinder and the fact of like oh. the, sleeve, the sleeves on that seven inch uh, really, yeah. I mean, was it, it's just like, I think mine was a cut out. Uh, one side was the, the, the actual, like the print of the insert and then the other bit was like a, a screened page out of a guitar magazine or something. Wow. The guitar player magazine. It was something of yeah. some just old magazines. He'd just like cut into shape and screen printed yeah. and then stuck in the back, I think. So there, each one of those was different. This is another seven inch I missed out on. The only Mohinder seven inch I had was the Nitwit split. Oh, right, okay. Uh, or I've got rather, and then again, I found the Mohinder discography for like five euros yeah. <laughs> in a shop in, in Sweden, and so I picked that up. And that this song was on on that. Yeah. Uh, and Mohinder again, just they take that m- melodic, aggressive, screamy, full on energy and just turn it. It sounds like it's fallen apart, but it's all barely held together. Yeah, uh, it's just absolutely. I love the production on it. I mean, it's just perfect for that kind of yeah. music. I thought it was going yeah. at the wrong speed when I first got it. It sounds so fast. It's just like, it's fucking, yeah. Jesus Christ. Again, he's, he's playing so fast, but without doing blast beats, then it's just, it's yeah. just, oh my God, phenomenal. It's the heroin sort of beat, but like sped up. But sped up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Taking that oomph degree. And it's, it's kind of, um, uh, uh, yeah, like you, when I first heard those, only three songs on that, and it was split, and I just, it, Oh, it just blew me away. And his vocals are so fucking desperate. Yeah. You know, just like how, I mean, how, do, how do you stand still long enough? Just because he played guitar and sang, and it's like, how? What? Yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? And the the drumming as well. I mean, that's uh, they kind of became yeah. Jenny Piccolo, really, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Jenny Piccolo, I mean, on the LP, it's a decent LP, but it was nothing special. And when we saw them live at Locust, and oh, yeah. Jesus. Wet. I mean, that was a that was a thing of beauty to behold. Yeah, yeah. Pure aggression. I, I remember that it was they they only had about like fifteen minutes to play. Yeah. But they just played like just the twenty eight songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the last sort of minute, he was yeah, yeah, going to play three songs, just fucking yeah. bang. Absolutely, absolute beast. East of a drum run. Uh, they really, I thought they really shone live. Uh, I'd love to have seen Mohinder, but that was my only, that, my only gripe with all these great bands. You'd get these records and you'd have no chance in hell unless you were going over to the States, which I obviously wasn't, uh, yeah. of seeing these bands play live. And at that time, that's what it was all about. The closest you get is maybe like just the, the fact that we got to see Inhumanity live was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and so Mohinder's from like Silicon Valley or something, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That area, just like some obscure suburbs of uh, San Francisco. That's right, yeah. Just the chances of them meeting and then being into the same thing and doing that and, and doing it so goddamn well. And then, oh, just absolutely absolute stunning. So, I mean, oh, yeah, what can I say?
Universal Order of Armageddon. Nice. So, yeah, a song from the Born Again split, which, like, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. These, again, are doing something different. I really like his vocals, but it's different from what I was normally looking for in a vocalist. And I think, again, he's got that, he's got, like, that Charles Maggio thing of, of it's like he's telling you something. I don't mean that, because obviously he is, because he's singing a lyric, but it's like <laughs> he, he's informing you. Well, he it, it, across. it's poet. It's more poetic. Like, oh, absolutely, poetic. yeah. And I mean, yeah. Tony Joy, Moss Icon on guitar as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another kind of, uh, that's a bit of a different thing for him to be doing the Moss Icon thing they're doing this. It's just like, whoa. Yeah, because musically it ties in with all like the Born Again stuff that was going on, I think. It, yeah, you, you can hear that that kind of structure in the songs. But vocally it's in, I think it's incredibly different. Uh and I absolutely love it really it really grabs it, it kind of it kind of bridges the gap between kind of the rights of spring stuff and the born against stuff. Yeah. Oh, if that makes we, sense. We've got uh, Brooks Headley drumming in this as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So this is, I mean, this must, you know, obviously you've got the same people involved and not that they just know one thing to play, but I mean, it's just such a wealth of, of like gifted youngsters there just doing what they do. Yeah, you know, it's like it was that thing of seeing these names on on record sleeves or reading an interview somewhere. Yeah, well, we're doing another band. You think I need to get hold of a copy of that? Uh, and Universal Order of Armageddon. I mean, I've got I've, the split with Born Against. I've got and I picked up the discography CD. Oh yeah, uh, and just oh my god, it's, it's something I'll never get tired of listening to. It's got it's I got think, that just that. Oh. I think the production's really good. For like, what is it for a, a hardcore record as well? That the, uh... but again, it's, it's the same as the Mohinder thing because it's not clean, but it, it shouldn't be either. It should be a bit, a bit out there. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, 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 it gives it gives it so much. It adds so much to like what, what's going on musically and lyrically, because it sounds it sounds it sounds full on of all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a video of. Um... UOA and uh, they're playing, yeah, they're playing this track, I, th I think, live in Chicago yeah. somewhere in like the earlier 90s, just like 93, 94. Yeah. And uh, they're just about to end the song, and like Tony Joy sort of like runs up and sort of jumps off his like his half stack. And the music ends like when he when he hits the floor, it's like a bad brain, it's like a HR moment. Jesus. He sort of runs wow. up his amp and then just leaps off and then like the song's just, you know, bang, stops. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. That's on YouTube, yeah? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll send you a link or something, I'll find yeah, which one of it is. Because I'm sure they're playing uh, like some, I'm sure it must have been Martin that organised the thing because yeah, they were on a, a compilation that he put out as well, weren't they? Like seven Yeah, yeah. Click a tat, ikatawi. We can kind of tone it down a bit for for a fraction. Yeah. Well, you need to. I mean, it's a nice. I, I mean, this is a really good track. Um, it's off the third LP, I think. Yeah, it's. Uh, yes, it is. But there's. I was thinking about this because the the second thing's like a live album, and they're already ah. playing. Yeah, they're already playing this track, and then this must be like recorded right. like a few years, two years later or something even. Yeah, yeah. But then released. I don't know because it's released a lot later. It's really good. I mean, it's it's weird with these. I mean, with Click Attack because. I know you don't like Anti Ocaro, and I can't figure out how you like Click Attack Italian, not Anti Ocaro. Just something about Andy. I think the first oh. what it must what it must have been is I heard uh, gems of masochism first. Oh man, that's yeah, okay, like, yeah. I was just like, I oh, fucking fuck this. <laughs> See, I so, mean, uh, yeah, because the first if you listen to the first the first Antio Caro, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think, had this I had the CD which was like uh, was that both of the uh, well it was everything Antio Caro done. I just was like, I yeah. just wasn't really. I just get didn't me. really like it. No, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all because I think for me it was because I had Antioch first, and and I thought 
I thought it was great because it was just, I mean, especially the early stuff. I, I do like the kind of gothy later stuff because, like, I'm a bit of an old goth anyway. Uh, and so that was, you know, that was, I've always liked kind of slightly older stuff. I, I get kind of bored if it's just too regular. And so Antioch was, was great. I just, I really loved it. It wasn't, it was frantic, but it wasn't screamed and it was just, it, but it was full on. And so Click Attack Ikitali, especially with the uh, orchestrated by LP, was yeah. kind of doing that. And then by the time they were doing this, and it was this much more slow, this song really builds up. It really just pushes along, you know. And yeah. he's got that desperation in his voice that he's, he doesn't have to scream his lungs out. He's he's just there. Well, I like I like them better than uh, Antioch Arrow anyway. Well, yeah. maybe because that's I think I was when I was listening back, I was like, well, this stuff was a much bigger influence than I thought it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that uh, River of Souls was coming out in '98, and that was like peak yeah, sort yeah. Of time for us in terms that's, of like yeah. what we're but into. Because all all of that was coming out around the same time as you know stuff like I mean, another locust have been going for a while, but you know that kind of that even weirder kind of emo really chaotic kind of style like orchid and and yeah. the locust like that was going that, on that's kind of where it kind of tuned out a bit definitely by 2000 and when it was yeah. uh screamo i was just like ah oh, there's different labels and all these but this sort of style and bands that were coming in that just didn't make yeah. much sense you know i don't know it didn't really vibe so i was like i'm oh, this you know i've i've yeah, it's, it was almost like it was getting chaotic for the sake of being chaotic, and it, it was kind of losing. It was just like, oh, let's see who can be the screamiest, and let's see who yeah. can be the Yeah, I think that's probably what yeah. it was, the most blown out. and Yeah, like yeah. really long song titles, and do you know what I mean? And yeah, as soon as song titles start getting long, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm off. If the, if the song title's longer than the LP, then, yeah, give up, forget it. No, it's just a bit, it's a bit much. Swing kids. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, if you want to mention it, then yeah. Swing Kids uh, being the next track. This is a track from the 10-inch with yeah, uh, Spanakoso opener, which has just always kind of been the one, you know? I mean, yeah, see, I'm kind of surprised that, that you picked uh, this track. Because yeah. everyone goes to disease and you take him to, to photography. And it's kind of like it's nice going off the 10-inch. Um, yeah. Because when, when we had the first 7-inch, that was just like a real, holy shit. I mean, Justin's vocals are just fucking, that's what I want to sound like. Yeah. I had, I had a couple of vocalists that were, there was him and Nicholas from um, Fingerprint. Just pure oh, yeah. rage. And, hell. You know what I mean? That's just ridiculous, pure, yeah. Uh, just unbelievably passionate. Like, it's kind of weird, stroke nice to see Justin talking about, like, swing kids. And he talked about doing a UK tour. Uh, he talked about how he didn't really know how to do vocals. And, you know, he's kind of lit a bit, so there, and uh, and it's kind of, you, you, now you've got the opportunity. You can sit me and write. Well, you can say what you want about it, but for us, you coming over and playing was just a revelation. And sitting, seeing them playing the drum intro to the jazzy oh. bit on seas. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, speak, speaking of like uh, drumming, the Jose Palafox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell! What a beast! Yeah. <laughs> Red and yeah, circuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that whole. Again, someone's in, he's involved with the band. You think I need to hear that band? And oh, yeah, I, missed, I missed out on quite a lot of his stuff. Yeah, but I mean, Swing Kids. You know, this track is just oh, it's just so full on, and the drumming ties it all together yet again. Mm-hmm. With these insane, over the top screamed vocals, and it's just like it's everything. You just want to chuck yourself around the room. <laughs> no, the, Fifty-two the, years old, you've got pains in your knees, pains in your back, and you're still throwing yourself on the floor to the Swing Kids. I think uh, with Swing Kids as well is, you know, they were just like just a few years after the kind of, you know, the heroin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the earlier bands. Yeah. And I don't know, by mid-90s, they even, or by this, the production is just like a lot kind of... Absolutely. Smooth. It's not smooth, you know, well, just more... It sounds better produced. Like well, this was this was three one G, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it would have been, I think, yeah. But I mean yeah. the seven inch had a fantastic the seven inch had a really fantastic sound and really suited that. And this was a bit more polished and a bit cleaner, but it still still drove home. It was still a massively urgent three songs. 
Yeah. You know, just like such a such a mean, it's such a good song, such a good band. I think out of all of those type of bands, they're, they're probably the only one that uh, gets as much kind of uh, recognition now because of yeah, Justin Pearson and all the bands he's been in. They're sort of a and the fact of the stuff's still in print, maybe or like you can still get a hold of it. It's not. It got reissued, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, this 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 was a really uh, difficult list for me. I've never been one to just play a song. I play a whole thing. So when I, when I got a list of like songs from you, and I had to sit and think like what this song meant to me, it's like shit. What? Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's on that mm. LP. Listen to all that LP. I don't pick out so It's something I've just never done. There's always like a, you know on an LP. There's always like that one song that's a real real rager yeah. or whatever. The one song you fast. But I've never. I've always. It's all I do. I just I don't stream anything. I don't download anything. I just buy records and I play whole records. And it's it's such, so it's such a weird situation to be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're picking a song, but then obviously there are records that I've played hundreds of times that that song stuck. 